Howdy, Ags. Welcome to Aggie Growth Hacks, the podcast sponsored by the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M, where we help entrepreneurs improve their business, connect with other Aggie entrepreneurs, and support one another. I'm your host, Greg Martin, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 2001. And I'm your co-host, Chris Hunter, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 1998. Whoop! Got a little story for you, Ags. Travis Richards, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 2005 served his country in the United States Air Force, and then after his time in the military, came back and joined the family business, recently becoming the owner and the CEO of Catco, a catalytic heating manufacturer. Travis is a natural connector, and we take a deep dive in understanding his business, and we know that you are going to get so much value out of our conversation. So pass it back and listen up to Travis as he shares some really good bull. Welcome back, Ags. We have got one of the episodes that I have been most excited to bring to you. Travis and I, we met, what, probably two, three months ago, and Travis is a fellow podcaster, so he understands this whole gig, but seriously, can't wait for y'all to meet Travis Richards. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you sharing your wisdom today. Dude, the feeling is mutual, man. Like I, it's a little different being on this side of the microphone for the, you know, in the podcasting game or whatever, but keeps me on my toes. And, you know, I just love y'all's vibe and, you know, love getting on talking about business and I mean, hopefully making things a little easier for folks than it was for me. Other Aggie entrepreneurs out there. I mean, that's, that's what we're all about, connecting and helping them. But we also love Texas A&M. Travis, your class of 2005, what do you miss about being a student on campus? Not football from from my time, you know, uh, at A and M. That's not uh, that's not on there. I think that it's interesting to always look back with a little bit of a different perspective, and I, I think I recognize now that school did not really energize me a lot, you know. And so, as a you mean academic, academia? academically school, yeah, academically <laughs> school did not really you know energize me a ton, and uh, you know, so I'm not proud to say, but you know, I just kind of sort of did a little bit of the minimum and kind of scraped by through through a lot of my academic career. But consequently, I had just a ton of extra energy, you know, and it's like I wasn't devoting all of that into my academics, which should have probably been my main focus at the time. And so I just had a lot of energy for, you know, goofing around and, you know, like I was super into, you know, movies and sports. And it's, you know, like I could tell you the starting lineup of every basketball team in the NBA playoffs, you know, even though I didn't really care that much. And so now it is amazing and it's great to wake up and be really excited about work every day. But there's part of me that just kind of misses being able to be a little more carefree. You know, like I honestly like sat down, you know, not too long ago, had a little, you know, time. My wife is out of town. I'm like, man, I'm going to sit down and play a video game. I haven't done that in years. And it just, there was a time where that was something I really just loved to do. And now I just kind of don't, I just kind of like a lot of people, I think that I miss just being a little more carefree and not Mm -hmm. having as much responsibility. So I love my life now and I love what I'm doing, but there's just part of me that's like, you know, I kind of miss those days when I, the things that were really important were just not very important. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> youth is definitely wasted on the young. Uh, yeah, it really, it, it really is. Really is. Yeah. I think that's all of us. We all wish that we could be a little bit more, uh, less or more carefree at, at this point. Right. Every once in a while, at least. Right. Sure. I mean, and I, I think it's good, you know, I, I do still enjoy that stuff kind of in smaller doses, but I certainly wouldn't trade it. You know, I do get kind of wistful looking back about it, but waking up every day, being really excited about what you got going on and what I'm trying to create and, you know, my team and the organization, like that's way more fun than waking up being excited about what hockey game is going on tonight. You know, I prefer what I got going on now for sure. <laughs> Love it. 
Love it. So Travis, tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. That's honestly one of my most favorite things about this podcast is I get to learn everyone's journey, you know? So tell us a little bit about CatCo and, you know, how did you get there? What What is it and, and what is it that you do? Well, you know, it's, to be honest with you, I kind of like I used to put sort of an asterisk next to my name as an entrepreneur. I used to be like, well, I'm not, you know, because Catco is, you know, my grandfather founded the business. My grandfather, who was class of, you know, who was class of 50 and passed away a few years ago. Uh, he started this business. It's been, uh, we're coming up on uh, 40 years ago. And, you know, it's a really cool thing. You know, he just was working for this great little entrepreneurial company and they got bought by a big conglomerate and just kind of ruined everything that he loved about it. And he was going to retire and be a full-time cowboy. And some of his old contacts were like, man, it's like, you used to be able to get us these heaters, these catalytic heaters that you were selling. And now we call up this company and they tell us we can't get them for 16 weeks. It's like, you know about these things. Can't you make them? And so he started, you know, he'd always kind of wanted to own his own business. And he started this thing up, started making catalytic heaters basically in a closet behind my dad's tractor dealership. And yeah, I mean, so, you know, it was just this really cool kind of American dream sort of a story and the product and what it is and what it does is it prevents, we are in the energy resilience business and everybody that experienced the big Texas freeze in 20, you know, February of 21, you know, a big part of the problem is that, you know, natural gas processing is really like there's a lot of equipment that can fail due to some adverse conditions, including when it gets really cold outside and our product prevents that from happening. So really what we are doing is we're making the flow of energy more reliable and resilient. You know, my grandfather started the business, you know, four years ago. I didn't grow up as like, this is my destiny. I'm going to do this one day. I didn't even really know what the company did. You know, my dad was, had been running the business for basically my entire life. And, you know, I got out of the air force. I was looking for something else. The only thing I knew about it was, you know, Hey dad, it seems to be a pretty good job for him. He's got flexibility. He was always able to, you know, spend time with his family and he, you know, seemed to make a good living. And that was all I really knew. And so he agreed to let me come into the business. And my first day at work, he was like, this is a catalytic heater and this is what it does. <laughs> so, you know, some people that grow up in the family business, like it's, you know, they've spent their life being the heir apparent. And that was, mm -hmm. that was definitely not me. So, like I said, I used to think of myself as like, you know, oh, I'm not like, I didn't found the company. This is like I'm third generation. And I've just kind of put a, you know, like I said, I just put an asterisk next to my name mm -hmm. as being a CEO and entrepreneur. But what I came to realize is that a lot of my friends that are entrepreneurs really struggle to let go because they were the founders and they were the people that got the business started. And, you know, so they really struggle to let go because there was something that they did that they were really, really good at that led the company to be successful. For better or worse, I did not come into the situation with any baggage. And so I've gotten really good at firing myself from jobs that I should not be doing. And that's something that some of my friends have a little bit more of a struggle with. But I do remember becoming an entrepreneur, you know, like the day that like I, I bought the business or, you know, started a new company that bought a bunch of the assets from the old business. And this was on October the 1st of 2020. So we're kind of in the middle of all the, the COVID stuff, you, you know, just my dad come out of COVID wave, right. wave one. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, the, and, and that was, those were not great times. If you're in the energy business, you know, like this is the COVID stuff had a really big impact on the energy business, maybe because I didn't know any better. Like I was like, ah, we'll just do it anyway. And so it worked out this deal and the day comes that it's like, I'm going to close the deal. And I pull into the office. I've been working at Catco for, you know, seven or eight years. And I'd been running the business for a while by this point. But I pull in the parking lot and I see the sprinklers on. And I was like, huh, you know, these sprinklers are kind of spraying on the concrete a little bit. And also it's like, you know, this grass, 
looks kind of green enough. You know, do we really even need to be running the sprinklers? I've been coming to that office every single day for freaking, you know, eight years. And I had never once noticed whether the sprinklers were on or not. But that day, now it's my company and they're my sprinklers. And that's my grass. And so it was a, uh, I appreciated uh, in a very, I kind of look back at that and remember that it's like, you know, it's different running the business versus owning the business. And that was, you know, my first day is, you know, officially being an entrepreneur where it's like, it's my, my money at risk, my decisions and, you know, that, that go with it. And it was different. I didn't know what I was expecting, but, you know, I always kind of look back at that day and think like, yeah, it's a little different than what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> That's so cool. That transition literally happened. Oh, it was just on like a oh. day, the day before, you know, sure. Just, I mean, yes, we need to water our grass the day after. Let's think about how we're doing this and everything. Earlier on, you know, like, I mean, some like a year or so before, well, like I said, I'd been the CEO for a little while and I'd been running the company for a bit and I was looking for a group to join or whatever. And I reached out to entrepreneurs organization and I kind of told them my story and I was like, and one of the things they asked me about, is like, okay, well, do you own the company? It's like, well, no, not technically, but I'm going to buy it. And it's this whole thing. And they basically told me like, Hey dude, you can't join. This organization is not for you. You know, I got all in my feelings about it, you know, and just like, you know, man, forget those guys. That's whatever. But I remember that day that I pulled into the parking lot and saw the sprinklers. I was kind of like, yep. You know, I probably didn't belong in that organization. That probably it's because it's different running a company versus being the entrepreneur. It's different. Yeah. Absolutely. Even if you've been running the company and around the company your entire life and all of your Christmases and Thanksgiving were provided by the company, but now you own it. And so it's a hundred percent different. It's different, but it's also great. You know, one of the things that I didn't realize when I had been running the company is that I was, you know, really just kind of like pinned in a little bit because I wanted to take risks and I wanted to do things, you know, to grow the business, but it wasn't my risk to take, you know, I was not the owner. And so I didn't realize how much that was kind of holding me back from some of the decisions that I wanted to make. Do you think you were pulling punches? Well, I mean, I think that I felt an, like, and and I don't think that this is wrong. I think that I felt an obligation to, you know, get permission for the stuff that I really wanted to do. And there's a lot of family businesses that are super dysfunctional. And mine was not one of those. My dad was very, you know, happy to let me, you know, make decisions and, and do all that. I still felt this obligation to ask and to get his buy-in on what I was doing because, you know, it mm-hmm. was, wasn't my money. It was his money and my aunt's money and my grandmother's money. And so it just kind of created this like friction a little bit that stopped me from acting as quickly and making as, you know, taking some of the risks that I wanted to take. So the things really started to open up a lot more quickly after I had closed the deal and it was, you know, and I owned the business for sure. So Trevor, let me go back when you started in the company and your dad's like, this is a catalytic, a catalytic heater. Um, did you like, it was it the proverbial, here's a catalytic heater. And then here's a broom start sweeping. Like, I mean, did, did you start at the, like the dudes out of the dock? I was like, oh, Travis is here. Oh, the boss man's coming. So. <laughs> You know, I didn't, that was not, you know, I mean, people at the company, like, you know, they knew who I was and it's like, so, I mean, it's like, no, I did not start working on the shop floor. I spent a few weeks, you know, getting trained and understanding, Hey, this is how things are made. This is what's going on. But, you know, initially it's like a huge part of my job was to, you know what I mean? Like taking phone calls from customers and entering in orders and going into the back and saying, Hey, this guy wants this thing delivered on Tuesday instead of Thursday. Can we make that happen? And kind of working through that. So there was certainly like, I didn't come in from day one and it's like, Hey, 
go run the business. You know, it's like, that was absolutely not it. It was something that I Here are the keys. Good luck. Over, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I had to grow into it over time. So. So was it your grandfather's intention then you think, you know, that, Hey, I'm going to give Travis this company eventually I've got to groom him up. I mean, is that kind of what happened? You know, I really don't think so. And I, and I think that, you know, in something that a conversation that my dad had with me, you know, whenever I first started talking about, cause I, I was in the air force and I you know, wasn't going to make the air force way. a career. Finally have two air force versus an army here. Yeah. Well, All right. So it, it's, it's weird. Cause my job now would have would like, if I was in now, like my job would be in the space force, which is kind of freaky, but I wasn't going to make the air force a career. And I was looking for the next thing to do. And of course, look, you know, I was working in the, you know, satellite operations and there was a lot of opportunities that kind of came out of that. And my dad sort of sat me down and was like, you know, you could have a really good career if you decided that you wanted to stay in defense. It's like, there's a lot of jobs that you could have that'll pay you really good money, give you really good benefits. And he also told me that it's like, look, I just want to make sure that you know that this is not an expectation that anyone has of you. Nobody expects you to Man, that's take really over, big of to, to take that's over so cool. Yeah. And so I, I think that it's made it cool because this is something that I decided for myself that it was like this, mm-hmm. that yes, I want to do this. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that my grandfather probably hoped that the business would stay in the family and continue on through other generations. I've got to pick, you know, Hey, I've got a, here's, here's, here's grandfather right there. I got a picture of him on my nice. desk. And nice. uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, and, you know, I mean, he was very influential for me and the way that we do business and we continue to honor that. And that's been a a great thing for us and our customers and the industry. But no, I mean, there was never like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that there was any grooming. There was definitely not any grooming process because once I got into this, there was a whole lot of stuff that nobody ever told me that I had to kind of, you know, learn to figure out on my own. <laughs> figure out on your own. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, and, and ultimately I, I, maybe that is grooming, you know, leaving you to figure it out on your own is, I mean, there, there's a lot to be said for that. And so maybe, maybe they were, I don't know. <laughs> well, let's pause a second and we'll hear this message from this episode sponsor. All right. Welcome back, Ags. Okay, Travis. So as you're going through and and you are learning the different components of what it's like to operate and to run and to be in charge of this business, the things that you just said, hey, no one really even had a, a master plan of laying it out. So you obviously were exposed to all the different operations in the business, manufacturing and everything. Two questions. So one, would you consider yourself a, a manufacturing company? And then two, what was your favorite position as you were learning all the different things? What what were kind of naturally that you were drawn to? So the answer to the first question is 100% held yes, we are a manufacturing company. It's one of the things that's just so really, really cool about this business is that speaking to you today from my office, you know, 20 yards in this direction is a manufacturing plant that's got all of these really cool machines that, that cut metal and we bend it and we weld it and we turn it into stuff that we ship out the door that serves a really important purpose in our society. And it, it's a huge point of pride for me and something that I really, really like doing is that we make stuff. It adds a different flavor to the business. A lot of my friends, you know, there's a a lot of my friends that are entrepreneurs have, you know, different types of service businesses and all that. And something that's different about us is that we deal with physical stuff. Like there is a Mm -hmm. warehouse back there that's got tons of stuff in it. And which is just, I mean, it's just kind of a different animal than if you're in a lot of other types of business. You know, if you're in Mm -hmm. banking, it's like, you don't have a warehouse that's full of stuff. You have Uh, a vault. 
Come yeah. on, man. It's it's Serge yeah. McDuck. You know. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh yeah. So the, 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 it's, it's so anyway, so that is also very different. You know, the stuff that we have out there is not a swimming pool full of gold coins. And so it's uh <laughs> absolutely it's a manufacturing company and we love doing it. As I came up, kind of, you know, I my education is in is in engineering. My undergrad is in civil engineering. And so I was the closest thing that we had to an engineer at the company for a really long time. And so a know, highly company, engineered product. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, like I said, is that, you know, I was the best engineer we had. And I was just like, dude, I was like, this is the first room that I've ever been in that I'm the best engineer of anything. I can assure you that in all of my classes at AM, I was not the best engineer in any of those rooms. And so it did kind of fall to me for, you know, a lot of the more technical aspects of the business where it's like, you know, one of my first big initiatives that kind of pushed into the company was I was like, Hey, we need to get a three-dimensional CAD program. You know, this is in 2012 or whatever, where people have been using 3d CAD for, you you know, generations, but we didn't. I had to convince my dad that this was something that we should do and it would really improve the quality of our products and improve the way we, you know, communicate with customers and really get him on board with that idea. And so I, you know, used to be the CAD guy and I used to be the, literally I've held every position on the leadership team and operations is probably the one that was kind of closest to my heart, I think, um, just because of my affinity for, you know, making stuff and a pretty structural thinker that suited me better than some aspects of the other business. But after I fired myself for the last time from being the COO and just decided like, I'm just going to be the CEO and I'm just going to kind of come up with ideas and, you know, build networks and all that kind of stuff. That's my sweet spot. And that's what I really love to do. And so I liked operations, but I'm just like, I don't know if I could, it would not be a good thing for the company if I went, went back into that. I don't think. So I want to go back to something that you said earlier, right? That when you took over the company, there was a bunch of stuff that you weren't told, right? That you had no idea about. What were some of those things? Really, it was like not being told is maybe not the right way of saying it, because really, like after I took over the business, we were kind of going into uncharted territory for the company. Like, you know, we had aspirations for growth that, you know, my my grandfather and my dad never really had. And so it was new for everybody, not just for me. But I think that nobody ever sat me down and really explained to me what risk is. You know, I mean, like everybody talks about, it's like, oh, if you're an entrepreneur, you got to take risk. And in my mind, you know, what I'm thinking of is like, I mean, I don't even know what I was thinking, just like making these huge bets and, you know, like, oh man, we're going to spend this, we're going to do this multi-million dollar initiative to do this thing or Put it all on green, one roll. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like, I guess that's kind of what I was thinking. And looking back, one of the first risks that I really took was hiring an assistant for 20 bucks an hour. I don't remember when I kind of connected that as to be like, oh, okay, that's, that's what risk is, is that it's like, I believe that if I spend this money to free up this bandwidth, that I will, you know, be able to get leverage out of that benefit. Yep. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's like, I mean, and like I said, is that a lot of the risks that we are taking and kind of recognizing it as such, that was just something that I don't know. I mean, like nobody ever really explained it to me. And so it was kind of making that connection and, you know, getting comfortable with the idea that, oh, hey, yeah, like I am, I I do take risks. I am comfortable taking risks. And so like waking up to that was a, was a big, big game changer for me. Well, Travis. Okay. So this is Aggie growth hacks. So you have future goals and, and you you're on a trajectory now that, that you just said that your grandfather and your dad didn't necessarily have the same growth goals that, that you do. So what really is 
some some things that you see changing in your industry over the next couple of years that you're, you're really excited about? And then how are you going to take advantage of them to, to support your growth goals? Well, you know, I mean, the energy industry, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't think anything about the energy industry is going to change. It'll probably stay exactly the same, right? I mean, n- n- nothing will change at all. No, nothing, nothing going on there. I mean, well, the, the energy industry is, you know, a kind of an interesting animal because there's all these change drivers that are moving into it and green energy and, you know, the expansion of, you know, like internet of things and, you know, automation and, and all that. So the energy industry is kind of an interesting thing because you sort of end up with people that are in these two camps where one group of people thinks that nothing is like, you have people that are just like, everything's going to remain the same. Nothing's going to change. And then you have this other group of people that are like, everything's going to be different tomorrow. And so, you know, it's uh, kind of an interesting uh, landscape to navigate, but the writing's on the wall as it relates to um, automation. And that's something that we are starting to invest very heavily in is that it provides a lot of opportunity to where you don't necessarily just have to provide people with a product like, Hey, buy this thing. It's like, it makes you much more enabled to sell a solution to people. And that's mm-hmm. a trend that is happening in the industry because it's just becoming less, everybody's looking for, you know, operational focus. And so the attitude is shifting from, Hey, I want to write a check to buy this thing to, I want to write a check to not have to worry about this problem ever again. And so in order to do that, you got to be technology enabled in order to really be able to make that happen. And so, you know, that that's where a lot of our investment is, is really just making sure that we're up to speed on technology and making sure that we can deploy that effectively to provide really good, easy solutions for our customers. Mm-hmm. So what's your BHAG? What's, what's your big, hairy, audacious goal for the next five, 10 years, whatever? You know, I mentioned kind of now that I'm a little bit more of the, you know, that I've shifted out of the the weeds a little bit within the business. You know, for me personally, it's like I want to be able to connect any of my friends with a world class business solution with a single phone call. That's I mean, like, so you know, it's like, hey, you know, Chris and Greg, you guys are my friends, and it's like, you know, whatever problem it is, it's like I would love to be in a position where they're just like, you have some kind of a problem, you can just call me, just be like, Travis, this is what I'm struggling with, whatever, dude. Do you know somebody that could help me with yeah. this? And I'd be like, absolutely, I know this dude. Like, you know, he is the person that can solve this, or she is the person that can solve this, or they know the person that can solve this for you. Because you know, my thinking is that number one, it's just really fun to be helpful and useful to people. Yeah. And number two is that if I can do that for y'all, well, I can certainly do that for my own company. And so, yeah, so that's the thing. It's like, I don't need to, I don't need to know everybody. I just need to know enough people that I can connect you guys with a solution with a single phone call. That's where my head's at. To be the connector. That's awesome. So so we we talked before started rolling that you're in the process of of writing a future bestseller. Is that what the book's about? Is it about being a connector or is it, is it technical? Or is it just entrepreneurship? Well, I mean, I would say that it certainly falls more into entrepreneurship than it does into, you know, into those <laughs> other categories. But I mentioned that I'm a little bit of a different, you know, I kind of have a different entrepreneurial journey. And I think that a lot of my friends that are kind of take a little bit more of the well-worn path where they take that first leap and they are generating, you know, every dollar off of brand new sales are a little bit more comfortable with uncertainty. And, you know, I'm, I'm very like on my bad days, I can, you know, I've been like, look, I need to have, I need things to be under control and I need to understand what's going on. And the way that I get that clarity is by a lot of detail 
and structure mm-hmm. and process systems. Yeah. I mean, you just, I mean, like I'm a big systems guy. And so that's, that's my thing. And, you know, I have realized that it's like, because I am that way, it's like, I can be a freaking pill to work with, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, uh, so this the working subtitle of the book and we'll, you know, sort this out as it gets written is a practical guide for working with control freaks. And so I have found a way to kind of make this work for me. And I've also found a way to make myself a little bit easier to work with providing people the roadmap of like, I promise Travis does not want to micromanage you. He does not want to get all up in your business. This is the way that you can, you know, calm him down. This is the way that you can sort of, you know, get him to chill out whenever he starts being like, things are out of control, things are out of control. So you know, I've developed a framework that helps people be able to work with me a little bit more easily and effectively. And I, I think that there's probably a lot of folks that are out there, like everybody works with a control freak, whether you see one in the mirror every morning or not is, you know, yeah. here or there, but you're managing one, your colleague with one, your boss is one. And so I think that it's a helpful tool for people to just kind of say, okay, if I'm working with a control freak, this is how I can sort of chill them out. Help me help you. Help me help <laughs> you. Yeah. That is so awesome. I, I can't wait to to read that. <laughs> All right. So we're going to roll into our lightning round here. Okay. But before we do that, we're going to pause real quick for a message from our sponsor. And we're back. All right. So here are the rules for the lightning round. You get one minute, one minute only to answer your question. You can do it in under, but uh, it's got to be nine. No, I was going to say 98 seconds, but that's not a minute. That's not so. a, that's a good Aggie <laughs> math right there. <laughs> Maybe we should switch it to, to 98 seconds. I, I think that would be better. Don't you think, Greg? That, that sounds good. <laughs> All right. Okay, so here we go. What is your absolute favorite hack? It can be business. It can be personal, whatever. Anything goes. Who, not how. There's a book by this name that's written by one of my mentors, Dan Sullivan, and psychologist named uh, Ben Hardy. When you find yourself bumping up against a challenge and you're asking yourself, man, I just don't know how to do this. It's like, you're asking the wrong question. The question is who is out there that would help me, that would love to help me solve this problem. And I started deploying that. Like I said, it's like, once I started doing that, I started firing myself from things that I was bad at. And I also started losing tolerance for doing things that I don't have talent for or patience for. And it's excel. That that's been a huge accelerator to my progress. Super cool. So, so is that your favorite bit of advice you've been given or is there, is there something else? I think that that's probably the best advice that I have been given. Nice. That's a bonus point. So how, how have you uh, implemented that in your business? Well, I mean, I've implemented it in my business, like I said, by, you know, recognizing whenever I am not the right person for the job and keeping me within the realm of my talents and abilities. And so I, like I said, I have held every seat on the leadership team at one point or another, and I have chosen to remove myself from every single one of them because I was not the right person. And I found myself bumping up against, man, how do we create a great sales plan? How do we improve the operational efficiency? How do we, you know, get our finances right? It's like, I didn't know the answer to any of those questions, but I found teammates. That's what they do. Love it. So what's your superpower? A friend of mine, told me this recently. She said, Travis, you can kind of like, it's like you can see into the third layer of the onion when other people don't even see that it's there at all. I'm a, I'm a, I'm good at asking questions, pretty curious. And I can, I can usually find the cause of the cause of the cause of the problem. And so it's helpful in some settings. Sometimes it's not helpful. And, you know, so don't invite me to those meetings. If you don't need to find the root cause and you just need to know, okay, you know, what are we going to do to get this order out by this afternoon? If you don't want to pull the thread, then just, you know, just don't invite me to that meeting because that's, that's where we'll go. (laughs) 
that's got to be pretty hard as the boss, as the CEO, as the owner to be able to be like, hey, this is not what I need to be part of. I found the who, not how. And so you fix it and tell me if you need my help. Yeah. And there's a lot of power in being able to really clearly articulate, you know, hey, this is what I bring to the table. This is what I am good at. And just recognizing that it's like, look, sometimes people do not need this brand of help and that's okay. And so just making it really clear with the rest of the team of like, this is what I'm going to bring to the table helps them call on me when they need me and to back brief me after they're finished whenever they don't need my help. There's a lot of power in that though. Well, Travis, thank you so much for allowing us to take a deep dive into CatCo today. How can the Aggie Network get in touch with you and how can we help you? I'd say that the... You know, I'm I'm on LinkedIn, and that's usually that's kind of my social, you know, media platform of choice. And so anybody can, you know, you can find me there. I try to post on there pretty regularly and uh, share things that I think are helpful. So just reach out directly for a connection. That's a great way to get in touch. And as far as ways, man, you know, I, I think that if you're one of those people that can be part of that network of world-class business solutions that I can use to connect with all of my friends, wherever, you know, that's, you know, really just reaching out and connecting and choosing to be part of my network and uh, where we can dig into our, you know, one another's challenges and figure out how we can help one another. That's, that's the dream. That's what I'm going for. Awesome. So you also mentioned that you have a podcast. What is your podcast? Oh, so my podcast is called get better at business. We sit down with people and it's basically, I am not the teacher in this podcast, I am your fellow student. And so I bring people on that just have really great information, people that I just have, I'm curious to talk to and really just want to learn from. And, you know, we, we have really cool conversations and I take, you know, basically I'm just trying to get this advice for myself and I'm assuming that it could also be helpful to other people. And so, yeah, you can listen and subscribe to get better at business. Uh, you can find us at getbetteratbusiness.com and uh, that's another way is that if you're somebody that can help me get better at business, dude, reach out, be, come on the podcast. And I'm always anxious to learn from people who've got great ideas. So awesome. Well, thank you so much, Travis, for coming on. We really appreciate you sharing your entrepreneurial journey and, uh, you know, just really helping the Aggie network out and more specifically the Aggie entrepreneurial network uh, out with your, with your advice. Well, I, it's been a blast. Love coming on. So thanks for having me. Well, how about that, Ags? Was that some good bull or what? I had some amazing takeaways that I took away from Travis. Um, what was yours, Greg? Well, I think the one he said it over and over and over again. I love how he fired himself from every job that he had until he became the CEO, until he became that visionary. And to me, that really spoke of one, his willingness to learn uh, not only about the company and the different aspects in the company, but then two, what he was really, really good at and to be able to say, okay, is is the company best served by me in this role? And to be able to say, okay, if it's not, then I'm going to fire myself and get out of there. How about you, Chris? Would you get from him? So mine kind of pigeonholes right into that is that, or dovetails, whatever that, that term is, right? Um, <laughs> is that <laughs> woodworking term, right? So mine was the ask who, not how, right? Mm -hmm. Meaning yeah, yeah, yeah. he said, ask who can do this and not how I can do this, right? Or how this can get done. And for, so yeah, almost exactly what you were talking about there is, you know, and it's something that we've heard over and over and over from entrepreneurs as successful entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. is that you got to stop doing everything yourself, right? And again, I'm talking to myself. This is very much me talking to myself. 
is that you got to stop doing everything and find the right people for the right seats in your organization. And then the other one, honestly, I'm going to have a bonus one here. He talked about risk. That was really powerful, I think. You know, and the fact when he figured out that he was already taking risks, when we think of, you know, taking a risk in the entrepreneurial, you know, world, you think about these big, huge risks of buying an entire warehouse of this or, or buying an entire fleet of trucks, right, to be able to sell them in the future, right? We've heard that before. So, you know, but he's talking about kind of clicked in his brain when he said, that it was a risk even just hiring an assistant. So he was already taking risks as an entrepreneur. Um, so I think that was my bonus number two is that we as entrepreneurs, we take risks every single day. And just even coming to work sometimes is a risk. But uh, it doesn't need to be this big grandiose idea of risk in general, I think. Well, I think as someone that obviously deals with different types of risk every day in, in multiple facets of business, I was really interested in the even the terminology that he used when he was talking about that. Like when he talked about hiring an assistant and then said, okay, for $20 an hour, how am I going to get leverage? And that was his engineering term. And, and what I said is, how is he going to get benefit from it? And that's, I mean, maybe that's just the banker terminology, but he saw risk as a way to get leverage, to be able to up his business, to help support. That was just a really um, interesting flash in my mind as, as we were kind of talking about it. Yeah, I agree. Well, Ags, that's going to do it for this episode of Aggie Growth Hacks. We hope that you enjoyed it, and we hope that you connect with Travis on LinkedIn. That's his, that is his social media platform of choice. And believe me, when you connect with him, you're getting connected with his whole network. So definitely connect with Travis. And if you're not connected with Chris and I, if you're not connected with Aggie Growth Hacks, make sure that you connect with us. And we'd love to learn about you and understand you and where your business is going. While you're on the web, check out AggieGrowthHacks.com where you can hear all of our previous episodes and check out some of our other amazing content. We also want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M University. Since 1999, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship has served as the hub of entrepreneurship for Texas A&M. If you're an Aggie entrepreneur or even a wantrepreneur, head over to their website to find a program that's right for you. Just go to aggiegrowthhacks.com forward slash McFerrin right now. Join us next time when we connect with another great Aggie entrepreneur and learn how they hack their growth. Until then, I'm Chris Hunter. And I'm Greg Martin. Thanks and geek'em.